can <clears throat> open your Bibles with me. I'll be reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you should divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Father, we thank you for this, your word. This is the word of life. This is the word of instruction. This is the word of truth. This is the word of wisdom for all the ages. And so now, Spirit of the living God, bring life to this word, to this people, to the glory of our Father, and to the glory of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of our praise. In his name and for his sake, I pray. Amen. And you can be seated. Um, <clears throat> so I thought it'd be nice to revisit the Old Testament. Haven't been there in a while. It's a new year, new beginnings. Um, one of those times that gives us an opportunity where we look back and, and sometimes we look forward. It's one of those seasons that change in our lives. Um, new years changing over graduations, um, marriages, deaths births of kids, retirements, birthdays, all kinds of things that happen in our lives. Um, and with each new opportunity, we face unknown challenges. And those unknowns can stir up fears, or they can be exciting as we wonder what unknown events are coming our way. These periods are often marked with thoughts of victories and losses that we've created in our minds, and hopes and fears for events that haven't even yet occurred but they're founded in our own imagination. And we sometimes base our decisions on these unknown and yet seemingly very real ideas. And in the passage I just read from Joshua, we find the newly installed leader of the nation of Israel walking into a season of his life where he has to make decisions. A little background on Joshua, the son of Nun, he had experienced life as a slave in Egypt. He had seen firsthand the plagues that God placed upon Pharaoh and Egypt. He had walked 
through the sea on dry ground and witnessed the Lord defeat the armies of Pharaoh. He had been chosen to spy out the land and saw that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. And yet he saw the enemies who dwelt in the land. He had drank from the rock of water. He had eaten of the manna of heaven. He was the only one who was allowed to accompany Moses as he went up on the mountain to receive the tablets from God. And it was Joshua who was given the privilege to guard the entrance to the tent of meeting. So Joshua had experienced much. And yet now, a great task was upon him and decisions had to be made. A course of action had to be determined. And this Joshua saw that Moses, who was referred to in verse 1 as the servant of the Lord, a great biblical leader, and a father to Joshua, was dead outside of the promised land. The Israelites were great in number, some estimates as many as two million. But they had proved that they were demanding, fickle, and hard to lead. And Joshua knew well the enemies in Canaan, that there were fierce giants, well entrenched in their walled cities. And this he knew well. And in this moment, in the life of Joshua, when his thoughts and emotions could overwhelm even the strongest man of faith. God speaks. He speaks to remind Joshua of his promises. He speaks to command Joshua's obedience. And he speaks to reassure Joshua of his presence. And so I want to look at each one of those three portions in this time, in this season that we are in as the new year begins as you are making decisions, as you are thinking through what the future holds and what the past has delivered. So in verses 2 through 6, we hear the voice of God as he speaks to Joshua, and he reminds him of the promises. So again, as Joshua is facing this overwhelming task of leading millions of people into a land of sworn enemies, The Lord says to him, Moses, my servant is dead, therefore go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Just as I told Moses, from the wilderness of the Lebanon to the great river and all of the land in between, all the way to the great sea, it shall be yours. No man shall stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. These are the promises that God begins this statement that I, Yahweh, will do this. This is the land that I promised to Abraham. This is the land that I promised to Moses. This is the land that I promised to your forefathers. I will deliver it. 
It is something that God himself is going to do. And he reminds Joshua of that. Yes, he's going to use Joshua to lead the people, but it is not Joshua who will deliver the people to the land. It is the Lord himself that is going to do this, and Joshua will be led. He will be given all that he needs so that no enemy, no matter how great they are, they will not be able to stand against him because there is no enemy that can stand against the hand of God. And this is how he begins. It's reminding him of these promises, which are yes and amen. These promises that were certain, that began in the book of Genesis, that continued on through the book of Moses, the law, and that now find their culmination beginning to occur as Joshua with a new generation. The generation that had rejected the promise of God has passed. He remained their God, but they did not enter his rest. But this promise is to the people. And God reminds him that it is something that he will do. But he doesn't stop there. After reminding Joshua of his promises and his abilities, he then commands Joshua, because you see Joshua has a part to play. And in verse 6 to 8, we see over and over three statements. It begins, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all, according, excuse me, that you may do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you shall observe to do all according that is written in it, for then your way will be prosperous. Be strong and of good courage. These are the commandments that would guide Joshua. There is a part to play. God's will is going to be accomplished on this earth and in eternity. And there is nothing that you can do to thwart that. But he has chosen in his divine wisdom and his divine mercy to use us. To work through people. To work through Joshua. But it seems odd that he would command him to be strong and courageous, not when you think about fighting the enemies. We generally associate courage and battle and strength of will when you're fighting an enemy. But isn't it interesting that in verse 7 he says, be strong and courageous that you may be able to observe what I have commanded you. We don't generally think that it takes courage or strength to be obedient to God. But it does. Because he is going to enter the land of Canaan, which is filled with idol worshipers, filled with enemies, It is filled with all kinds of milk and honey and material wealth. I mean, after all, is it God giving it to me? Shouldn't I use it to enjoy myself? All of the temptations that we face today, Joshua would face as he entered into the land. How would he deal with the different tribes and the different needs of the people? Would he build altars? 
What would he do with all of the requirements of the book of the law of Moses? And he needs to be strong and have courage to be obedient. He's commanded not only to obey, but to not allow the book of the law to depart from his mouth. What does that mean? When you live your life, when you counsel your children, when you counsel your friends, when you counsel your spouses, when you counsel your co-workers, when you counsel your brothers and sisters in the Lord, where's your speech from? He's commanded to never allow the book of the law to depart from his mouth. His wisdom is the wisdom of God. And he is commanded to allow the wisdom of God, the word of God, to always be coming from his mouth. So he is to do, he is to speak, and lastly he is to think. In verse 8, after he says, don't let it depart from your mouth, meditate in it day and night. Fix your mind on the things of God. If there's anything good, if there's anything lovely, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. If there's anything true, meditate on this. Day and night, think the law, speak the law, do the law. And Joshua, be strong because you will have enemies from without and enemies from within. And it will take great courage. And so he gives the commands. And lastly, as the Lord finishes up, he gives that blessed reassurance. Starts with the promises, reminds Joshua of the commandment, and then he comes back and reassures Joshua. In that very last verse, have I not commanded you? Joshua, have I not commanded you? Has the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We read the psalmist, David writes, no matter where I go, there you are. If I go to the depths of hell itself, there you are. If I go to the farthest island in the deepest parts of the sea, there you are. You can't escape him. He's everywhere. And he assures Joshua as he starts this process to cross this river Jordan, to take the land that has been promised. Don't be afraid, Joshua. Don't be dismayed when the things that are going to happen, because if you've read the book of Joshua, it doesn't always go well. I'm with you. I will not leave you. And so this is God who speaks in these moments of decision. We see it illustrated in the life of Joshua at one of the most critical junctures that Joshua himself would ever face. God speaks. He reminds Joshua of who he is 
and that His promises are certain. He reminds Joshua of His command to be obedient, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And He reassures Joshua that I'm with you. So just as Joshua, in your moment of decision, God speaks to you. He speaks to you through His Word. Both His living Word, who has become to us one that is greater than Joshua. He is the new Joshua. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And He speaks to us through His written Word, which is God-breathed. And it's living. And it's active. And it grants to us the very words of life. And it is sufficient to equip you for every good work. I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. I want to bring this <clears throat> to us. This is going to be a verse or verses that you will recognize, I hope. Because there's another time that God spoke in much the same manner. And it's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came. Jesus came when His disciples were facing defeat, rejection, fear, doubt. Peter had gone fishing. And in that moment, when they were at their end, he spoke. And listen to what he said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Disciples, remember who I am. Go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. My children, do what I command. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The reassurance that they will not be left alone. There is nothing on this earth in the life of those disciples. There is nothing on this earth in the life of you, his disciple, that can shorten his hand. And he has commanded, reminding you first of all who he is, what he's doing. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How is he doing that? Through you. Through me. He builds his church with the church. And he's commanded you to go and make disciples of all the nations. Don't worry when you approach your neighbor. Don't worry when you approach your child. Don't worry when you approach your wife, your coworker, the grocery counter clerk, the Harley driver. 
Make disciples. Give them the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. It's the power of God. When Aaron was here, he reminded us of some of these young women that he was ministering to and how God had used them unsuspectingly. And it reminded me of times that he has used me to get the gospel to people that I had no idea I was even doing it. I just loved them and I talked about him. Go and make disciples. And I'll be with you always. I'll be with you. It may not always go the way you think it should have gone. It may not always get the result you think it should have got. But let me worry about that. You just go and do what I've commanded you. Same way with Joshua. Same way with you. He speaks. He speaks. So as we begin these new seasons, this year, as we have our annual meeting and we look forward to the church as a body, in each successive season that we encounter, remember that God has spoken and that God is speaking. He has given you all that you need to be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. But you have a choice. Will you look for help from the worldly wise man? Or will you listen and hear from that great cloud of witnesses that urge you on to finish the faith race that God has given you to run? Will you trust in the things of this world and treasure them up? Or will you store up treasures in heaven where raw rust and moth do no harm? Will you search for your answers in the vain philosophies, self-help books, and the wisdom of this world? Or will you search the word of God and meditate on his truth, which is settled forever in heaven? Will you give counsel that is earthly, sensual, and demonic? Or will you give counsel that is steeped in the truth of Scripture and the knowledge of the holy? At the end of Joshua's life, he reminded the Israelites of the superabundance in blessings, mercy, grace, and promises that God had poured out on the nation of Israel and all of their history to include and especially for them in the conquest of the land of Canaan. And he challenged them to make a critical choice because they were now to face a challenge because Joshua himself would die. But as Joshua challenged them, he reminded them, as he reminds me and you today, that in every decision, in every change of season, there's a question and there's a choice. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And just like the Israelites, we have to choose for ourselves each day whom we're going to serve. And I pray that you will join me in committing 
the response of the man Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I thank you that though you know who we are, you know our frailties, you know our weaknesses. Father, for your own divine reasons and in your own divine wisdom, you have chosen to save us, to redeem us, to call us out and to send us into this world that we might be the hands and the feet of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might indeed have the privilege of seeing his image in the church, that the world might see their hope in him, that we have been sent, Father, as lights into the darkness, so let our light shine. We have been sent as salt into a world that is, Father, fading and perishing. And I pray that we would find our way to look into your word and see that we are the seasoning and the saving salt of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on this, on this earth. Help us, Father, in this season. Help us in each season. Help us in each moment, by your grace, to make a choice to serve you and to serve him. Because he is worthy. And we give ourselves freely to that mission. And we thank you for it. For his name's sake, I pray. Amen.